0: You're listening to The Melting Podcast. A writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone everywhere. Hey, lexiconiseurs and word chefs, it's time for another Balticon bonus episode of The Melting Podcast. Yay! I'm Gus, that's Aaron.
1: (gasps) AF, how dare you be so
0: informal! Fine, I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappin. I am your grill mistress,
2: Erin Kazmark. That's Erin. Hi.
0: So these Balticon bonus episodes are recorded panels, uh, presentations, and the like from From Balticon. Balticon, In case you didn't notice. Yeah, that makes sense. This is another one from Balticon 50, so enjoy.
2: Okay, I don't think I brought enough handouts. That's kind of scary. <laughs> um, good morning, my name is Denise Clemens. Um, I'm a science fiction fan, a member of the Science Fiction Poetry Association, and my day job, as you might imagine, has a little bit to do with food. I've been writing a cooking column every week for the past 12 years, focusing primarily on the home cook, it's not a restaurant review column. Um, and I have a book on the history of the culinary history of the area in which I live coming out in October um, from Arcadia um, and the History Press. Um, so, what we're here to talk about this morning is building a meal for your imagined world. How many of you in this room are presently writing a story, a novel, something set in an alternate world than this? Okay. How many of you have figured out what your characters and residents of your world are eating?
3: Good. This is great. This is good. Yes, they have potatoes. (laughs) Someone must have read The Martians. I am so on the I was so on the fence about including American foods in a non-American based fantasy setting. <laughs> yeah. And I finally decided I can't have them not have potatoes.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: The the food stuff of uh, plenty, right? Yeah. So why is food important in a story?
1: Well, yes, that's how people live.
2: Correct. Absolutely correct. That's how people live.
4: It, uh, it, it hurts part of the culture. A lot of since it's a daily ritual it becomes a cultural representation. Certain foods are acceptable to some groups. We were talking about uh, some dietary restrictions. And other groups have different things, and that makes a cultural difference, but it represents a lot.
2: Correct. Yes.
4: The social aspects of the cooking and eating
5: of food is a large part of culture. Sitting, or, sitting, around, the, sitting around the campfire, uh, finishing off the meal and telling stories the adventure of hunting down whatever it is that you're going to
2: cook, and so on. You're all absolutely correct. That's how we live. Um, It's an integral part of how we live, in terms of our culture, in terms of our environment. And by showing the aspects of what your characters are eating, how they get it, what they choose to eat versus what they choose to leave, um, is all part of world building. Now, for an example... How many eggs come in a carton? 12. How many avocados come in a purchase of avocados? One. Caviar is sold in a little tiny jar that's measured in grams. Eggs are plentiful caviar, avocados are likely scarce. That tells you several things about the world. Um, Eggs are plentiful, they're easy to get, um, there's a good supply of food for the chickens that are making the eggs. Um, So this tells you a little bit of, not only about the culture, but a little bit about the food chain, which includes where the food comes from and how easy or difficult it is to get Um, You can learn about the invasions and the history of a world. For example, when the Normans invaded, the people that were living there were still raising cattle, but the French were eating bif and bif. You know, they weren't eating cattle. They were eating this fancy food, bif. So that tells you a little bit about the culture and how things change. Um, uh, So they ate pork not pig. So that tells you a little bit about how that world evolved. Um, you can also tell a little bit about religion. And to mix in that a little bit, some of the religion is could be the aversion to eating animals or certain types of animals. The religion can also be, as we saw in some of the science fiction stories we've read, it could be an aversion to eating plants, because plants are, are given to be sentient. And so we're not going to consume anything that's sentient. So what are we eating? I guess rock soup, but um, we don't know.
4: Plants are cannibalism. Um, yeah, they are
2: too. They are too. And they're great message signalers about, um, to evade predators as well. Um,
3: it's rock salt.
2: Yeah. So um, anyone know about the history of uh, bread and salt in the Westeros universe? Okay, so in George R. R. Martin's uh, Westeros, bread and salt means it's the rule of hospitality. If you invite someone into your home and you break bread with them, You may not kill them or otherwise harm them. Um, So there's a little cultural element that you can weave into your story and whether or not your culture has the rules of bread and salt. Um, So when you um, think about food, I mentioned the eggs and the caviar, Supply chains can tell you about what's going on in a distant part of your universe. So if caviar is the main food of your universe and you have no sturgeon in a sea on your dank, arid world, then you can't have caviar as the foodstuff. And if your supply comes from a wet world and the supply dries up, no pun intended, um, That could indicate some degree of hostility, animosity between your dry world and the wet world, and it may give you reason to try to figure out some embargoes or negotiations to try to get that supply flowing again. So you can tell a lot about the world by where the food comes from, where you get it. So building a world has a lot of aspects to it. There have been a couple of really good talks about world building at this con, and there's some more to come. Environment is the first one. The temperature, the geography, uh, the climate, the gravity, um, whether or not you're breathing oxygen or any sort of humanoid um, uh, gas. Wow, I lost the word. Um, the established food chain um, in your ecosystem. Um, what types of creatures do you have on your world? Do you have the gamut of creatures that we have on this world, which run from amphibians to fish to insects? I'm sorry? That and more. Oh, so he's got a busy, busy world. We're going to hear about that. It's already
1: accumulating, accumulating in my mind. Okay, great.
2: Do we have warm-blooded, cold-blooded, semi-of-each kinds of animals? Are they dumb and mute but smart? So they can't speak, but they're very bright, and you don't know that because they can't speak, like whales, for example. Um, is there a slave-master hierarchy? Um, then that is going to affect your food. Um Do your creatures, whether they be plant or animal or fish, have environmental sensors? Are they sensitive to vibration, to thermal changes? Do they use echolocation? Um, What do they do for predation or hunting? Do we use tools? Do we have external teeth on our spine? Do we have claws? Do we have internal teeth in our mouths that we bite? Um, And how do we eat? How do the creatures on your world eat? Are they food graters? So example, the guy who's got the teeth on the back of his skin, does he basically rub his teeth across a a food substance and grates it into his skin and that's how he absorbs the food? Um, Or do they have some sort of chemical that spits from their mouth and dissolves their prey and that's how they eat it. They just lap it up like a cat at a a bowl of milk. Um, And then you're going to want to think about reproduction and whether they use uh, plates, pouches or whether they're hermaphrodites. Um, And then how do your people live? Are they organized in a solitary fashion? Do they live in tribes? Do they live in high-rise buildings with 14,000 little compartments? Um, that makes it a difference as well, because where are you going to store the food, or do you have to go and get it every day because you have no place to store it? Um, and what tools do we have if we do have any tools? And then finally, what do you do with the waste products? They've got to go somewhere, and you can't ignore it. Uh, Bud Sparhawk wrote a really clever story where these people were on a sort of a generation ship And what they didn't know was that when they flushed the toilet, they were sending ingredients to the pantry. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a little gruesome. So um, I want to just talk a little bit about Game of Thrones. Who hasn't read Game of Thrones or any of the pieces to it? Okay, so then I'll tell you a little bit about
6: it. I've only only read the first book. Okay. All right. right. Could, but everyone else has spoiled stuff
3: for me, so go ahead. Uh, right. I know the <laughs> basic premise, which is a bunch of people are playing musical chairs, <laughs> <laughs> and the
2: music is pretty gruesome too,
3: and the chairs are not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Okay. So there was an unofficial Game of Thrones cookbook, which was really pretty stinky, but I'm not grappling that because what they did was they took basic English, hearty English country fare, and changed some of the names of some of the dishes and basically told you how to make them in a modern kitchen. For example, so at the wall where we've got these guys um, who are in a really cold, hostile environment protecting us from the predators that want to come across the wall, the dishes included a uh, rack of lamb with herbs. That sounds very Westeros. Pork pie, uh, mutton in, in onion ale broth, Muddled wine, of course, and peas porridge. Yes, sir.
6: All of those actually appear in the book. Martin wrote those. Yes. So the recipes are derived from... Well, Martin that those are actually here.
2: Yeah. Yes, all, all of like these foods stuff. that I'm going to name right. do appear in the book, and some of them appear on stage. And he used the names of some of these dishes to inform. So these are all really hearty dishes that I just named. So these guys who are living up on the wall, which is freezing, freezing cold, and they're dressed in furs, these are the kind of things they're going to need to eat. To And that informs what their lives are like. Um, in the north, things are a little different. We have beef and bacon pie, honeyed chicken, Orots with roasted leeks, so he's giving us a hint that this is a very, very old culture. They've been around for a while. And then baked apples, so there must be some orchards or some wild apples growing about. In the south, they serve cream swans, trout wrapped in bacon, stewed rabbit, sister's stew, which we're not sure what that is, and blueberry tarts, my favorite. Um, At King's Landing, which is where the royalty lives, we have lemon cakes, Quails drowned in butter. Doesn't that sound wonderful? (laughs) Almond-crusted trout. Bowls of brown. We're not sure what that is.
1: (laughs) I don't think they are. Either. Yeah, really. And
2: iced milk with honey, which sounds like a great thing to drink on a really hot summer's day. And now in Dorn, which we, don't, we haven't just begun to see a little bit more Dorne, um, and that's where they serve stuffed grape leaves, duck with lemons, and chickpea paste, which I think is hummus, but I could be wrong. And then across the Narrow Sea, we've got biscuits and bacon, tiroshi honey fingers, winter cakes, and my favorite of all, honey-spiced locusts. So what George has done, not only has he written fabulous characters, terrific plots, but he has given us so much texture in these books because these people are all eating slightly different things and they're reflections of the culture, the status, um, and what's available to them to either purchase, trade for, or hunt for in the worlds they inhabit. So, how many of you read The Martian, speaking of potatoes? Okay, so. Well, I going to listen to The Martian. Listen to it, okay. So, he basically subsisted on food energy bars, some of the potatoes that he grew, and a few of the special meals that were in the um, pantry that they brought yeah. along. But what he did with the potato. Was inform you about this guy's resourcefulness and his his absolute endurance in the face of what is probably a pretty harsh outlook, being stranded on Mars. But he didn't give up. He didn't crawl and and whine. He said, "Okay," and he threw in a few f bombs and he made his way through and uh, got those potatoes to grow. Um, So that's a pretty clever way to approach the food problem. Yes, good thing he was a botanist, so that you know something else about him. He was able to figure out how to do that, how to feed them, what they needed.
3: And um, on a planet with different geology, the plants would grow differently on Mars than they would on Earth. right? Yeah, and that's
1: why the were Smaller.
3: They were smaller,
2: and um, he also made a very clever use of the waste disposal system to fertilize his potato seedlings, so another, again, very resourceful. Why aren't aren't they growing? What do they need? They need food themselves to grow. Um, And then how many of you have read The Sparrow? Oh, it is a wonderful, wonderful book, and what she's done They're on a completely alien planet. They don't know where they are quite and in terms of what's available to eat. There's lots of beautiful, beautiful growth, flowers and trees and grasses, and they don't know what's safe for them to eat. So they have devised a very elaborate system to test the foods. So they had a methodical approach to it. They would take, for example, if it was a fruit or a berry, They'd pluck one off, they'd rub it on their skin and wait to see if they had any kind of negative reaction like a rash or the hives. Um, They would then lick it and see if their tongue went numb or blew up to the size of Toledo. Um, Then they would um, squish out the juice again to see if that had any reaction to their skin or their tongue or their mouth. And then they would designate one person because they didn't want to all die, to eat it, and see how he made out. And then see whether or not it was painful, um, whether it got through his system, because these are all humans, ha- whether it got through their system okay. So they allowed you to really understand this alien world by having you go with them on the journey to discover which foods were safe and which foods were not safe to eat. Okay, um, so we're going to build a meal or in this case, we're not going to build the whole meal, we're going to build a dish, Um, what do you need to think about in order to do that? You need, okay,
3: yes?
1: You need whatever kind of foods they have in that world.
2: Okay, that are edible, yes? Well,
6: I guess the basic um, divisions of food types among proteins, starches, and
2: Fats. Are we feeding humans? We don't know. See, in, in, in his in his world, there might be humans, so he's going to need well, proteins, carbs, and fats. But if we're or feeding,
6: anything that's comparable to the
2: right, so you're going to make your world a little bit familiar by maybe having an alien that that eats um, protons, carbons, and Lipid. lipids or whatever. Yes. Presentation. Presentation. We're back to that campfire. Are we eating out of the tin cup, or are we eating on an elaborate platter at a tablecloth um, table?
4: table? Are, we, are we eating out
2: of a trough? Right. Are we eating? Are we eating with our fingers while walking through the world? Yes. Available technology. Technology mm-hmm. does does technology matter for food? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Matter, right? Absolutely. Yes.
3: How, how do you acquire the food? Is right. There an economic system where you're buying right. ingredients, or are you going out and scrounging them? Exactly. Yes. So yeah, that's
2: your
0: replicator. Exactly,
2: We're all, and then of course you can always take the shortcut and go the replicator route. Yes.
3: Available space and time. If you only, if you're cooking something over a a coal stove and you only have so much coal, you don't have a lot of time to get your food done. Correct. And the the rule you can't like it's whereas if you're smoking meat. Then you have like three days to let it smoke before you eat it. Right. Yes. Um, is there we talked before about are they humans are they aliens is there just
0: one kind of person eating or do we need to serve multiple different kinds
2: of meals? Exactly. There was a yes.
1: You think about like what type of meal it is. Is this, like a normal everyday type thing example, or is it more special occasion type a feast or banquet or
2: something? Right, which goes back to your comment it's about not presentation.
3: That an entire meal at all or like. Do they have a very small breakfast to get them going and then have a much larger meal in the evening or vice versa?
2: Do you need to uh, fuel up for the day or, or and nothing at the night? Yes, sir.
3: It seems like a lot of these
2: things we're talking
6: about are interconnecting.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Like the, technol- the level of technology available ties into how much um, time is time eight and the um, uh, how much effort is going to be put into the Exactly.
2: Absolutely, because if you've got, as we said, a replicator, you push the button or make the announcement Earl Grey hot, and it shows up, versus I'm smoking meat, I'm hunting rabbit, whatever I'm doing. You have a comment. uh, How long is your growing season? Ah, very good. Do you have a climate that will allow you to grow potatoes or... If you're,
3: if you, speaking of growing season... How? What kind of preservation do you have? Mm-hmm. Apples will. Apples and and uh, tubers will preserve pretty well over a few months. Raw meat. Other won't fruits won't. don't. Correct. And raw meat will.
2: Okay, so if you've got an, a world where, yes, if you have a freezer, if you have a freezer, if you, you have, have if there. you have a bed of straw, you can save your apples. Yes.
5: Your transportation system. If my. If, if the place that butchers the meat is fifty miles away, but I can get there in an hour and a half, in an hour by car, then it's great. I can I can have that meat. If it's fifty miles away and I have to walk it, I'm never going to oh, taste that. Right. Or, or even take a horse, which is a little bit better, but not. I may never taste that because by the time I can get there and get it back, it's rotten. Oh, it's it's rotten. I can't use it.
0: Yes, uh, cooking methods and cooking vessels.
2: Okay, Um, I did this talk last year, you were here, and I asked people what their worlds were, kind of describe them for me. And uh, one woman had a post-apocalyptic world where they were living in a cave. Um, They had meager uh, supplies to build small fires. Uh, But they couldn't have a big roasting fire because they're in the cave and they would smoke themselves out and die. Um, So she was approaching hers that way and using lichen as seasoning and that kind of thing. Um, One woman at the end of the talk said, I'm really sorry I couldn't participate more. I'm an undersea world and uh, I don't have a kitchen. I don't have a stove.
1: You don't Uh,
3: have a fire.
2: Yeah, you won't have fire unless you are using some of the steam vent. Uh, geothermal. Geothermal, so but not fire. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, there, so there are ways to apply that without having the exact fire. Okay, so we've talked about what were you... I'm sorry.
4: One more to have was food safety. Nothing blows a diplomatic talk
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: by having <laughs> the... By <laughs> <laughs> Crawl out of the bowl. Yeah, it's really tacky. Yeah. Young men, yes.
1: So... Right now, Evan. So all I can think of is the food for a specific group, and they don't eat meat. They don't eat plants. What do they eat? There are the demons of my world, and they eat souls. <laughs> 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 I,
0: the
2: I know. Do they do
1: they fry them up or
2: suck them out? I they guess they eat guess them raw. They eat them raw while well, they're, they they <laughs> well, they're still quivering. Okay. <laughs> must have
0: spices.
2: All right. <laughs> You're
3: a liar, obviously. That's all the presentation and the availability of soul. Yes, yeah. right. It's it's right. So high. High. So okay, so here, it's high. High. So here we go. is the soul between three demons, or does one demon have to have its soul each? And if Did they have to have a soul, out out each, out how out how built?
1: All right, I think we're a little off track here. Excuse me. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I appreciate it.
2: Okay, so we've talked about ingredients, we've talked about food preferences, we've talked about um, collecting the food, how far do we have to go for it, does it show up, um, do we go get it, do we hunt it, help etc.? Um, the preparation and presentation, you had a comment, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was wondering also, I guess another question is, is, I mean, in terms of vitamins and nutrients, do you have all that you need in your current surrounding, or are, are the yeah. inhabitants vitamin deficient in something because there's not a plant or a something that has the nutrients that are needed for that. That's a very good thought. And one of the things that you can do is, as you're building your world, is to look at, at history. Why did the seafarers take spruce with them? Spruce is a source of vitamin C. So they prevented scurvy. So, I mean, we always think of um, oranges or grapefruits or lemons or limes. But um, spruce beer was actually one of the solutions that the navies used. So that's kind of an interesting way to, to look at food. And the vitamin deficiency is a good one because if your food source is missing something, you can cause a problem for your character. And how resourceful are they in solving it? And we saw that when the potatoes ran out for the Martian, he got a little scraggly towards the end of that movie. He, he wasn't quite as cut as he was at the start of things. Yes?
4: Conversely, something you're allergic to that you don't know about, is seasoning in the food, does a delayed violent reaction.
2: Correct. And that's why in The Sparrow, she had this very meticulous um, approach to testing it to include how it came out the other end. Yes, see.
1: well,
4: person A and person B being different spots.
2: Correct, yes.
1: Something we haven't mentioned yet is the uh, number of suns, the rotation of the earth, because depending upon how many suns you have will affect length of days and how much sunshine there is, where you are on the planet if how fast it rotates. Uh, if it rotates, where you have to live to be able to plant. Um, you know, Alaska does have a growing season. Oh my god, it's incredible. The plants are gorgeous. It is, exactly. In May, they're the size of, they're huge. Right. And they grow very, very fast. Right. So, and that's something that you actually, that I think, of, actually have thought about on Gardener. Okay. The Westeros, because they have such weird seasons. It's like, how many times in the summer can they get crops in? How long is that growing time in fall between, you know, and, and where are you in winter? You know, does Dorne have a winter growing season at all? At all, you know? It would be too pretty. I don't doubt it. It's, yeah, no, but it's that sort of thing that, you know, as a gardener, I'm very curious about
2: say, growing vegetables. And the other thing that um, gardeners often will consider is the um, pests for your plants. And pollinators. And could your pests be a food source? You had a comment.
6: If you, since you mentioned undersea vents, if you go from the most basic level, do you have plants that use sunlight as their basis for energy, or what are called chemotropes, that use just chemicals and don't need any sunlight? Correct. If, you've got to have a, if you have a race that's subterranean, they don't have access to sunlight. So they've got to eat stuff that gets their energy in a different
2: way. Right. And then if it's a humanoid, do they need vitamin D? How do they compensate for that? Yes.
6: The reason my story is that a, I guess you described them as half-plant. They're an animal race that photosynthesize so they don't need to like eat fruit to get carbohydrates. They just synthesize that. So they're, the food they intake will be mostly protein and, and, and fat. Okay. You know, that's what they need because based on their biology, I don't know their biology. Um, okay. I mean, we talked a bit about are they human, but if you're going to make them not human, that has to mean something specific.
2: It has to um, propel your plot or inform your reader. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yes.
6: Yeah. Just um, plants on this planet that we we'll call carnivorous plants. Yes. Yeah, aren't, aren't eating insects because they're food because they photosynthesize. They're eating them because they need the nitrogen, because they're a nitrogen poor soil. So again, you know, that kind of has an effect on, you know, why you might
3: have...
2: And when you talk about all these um, nutrients, in addition to the basic carbs, proteins, I'll get rid of you a second, carbs, proteins, and fats, there are dozens and dozens of micronutrients that we also need to keep, we as humans, keep our blood system in balance. And those are small things like potassium, magnesium, um, uh, folic acid, things that we need in such small amounts, they're hard to measure, but if you're missing them, you're going to have... Blood pressure, low blood pressure, all kinds of issues um, with your circulatory and and endocrine system.
3: Yes, the other thing that I haven't seen, I haven't heard mentioned in here is radioactivity. I'm writing a story that's post nuclear war, and it's several decades after the war has ended, and people are starting to get back on their feet. But the radioactivity in the (coughs) soil is going to affect. The plants, and then because it's going to affect the plants, it's going to affect the animals that they're hunting as well. Right, and that's absolutely true. And we're seeing how is this, that going to affect both their food and their bodies? And
2: um, look at some of the studies they've done um, in the aftermath of the Chernobyl incident. Um, there are a set of people that never left, um, and they're having some serious issues—very subtle and very slow to appear. But that's an avenue of research that might help help with you. Wait, she was first okay.
0: Um, two things. First of all, sisters do might be a reference to the Eastern Woodlands Indians. Oh yes, three sisters. Yes, um, right. um, Which are food. Um, but that's um, on that same topic. Frequently, when my husband and I see if something's set in the Americas, and it's post-apocalyptic, but there's no environmental change. It's not radioactive. People frequently are starving. And we find it very frustrating because, you know, people lived here without technology for many, many centuries. And this, this idea that if there aren't grocery stores, we'll all go hungry.
2: Well, m- most people in this country would go hungry. That or the dollar store.
3: I'm sorry. Actually, the basis for my story that I'm working on is the idea that the people out in the middle of nowhere who ran... Farms or had herds of goats or something survived a lot better than the people in the cities did. Right. Yes?
4: The classic woman's food aversion, I learned this from my niece and nephews. Um, having like gourmet food and stuff like that, and they, they made the macaroni and cheese, which they refused.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another uh, class kind of, you could use that as a, a class signatory.
4: Well, it wasn't the way their mom made it.
2: Well, it didn't come out of the blue box it doesn't taste right, I'm sorry yeah. um, anybody else before we move on okay um, the one thing I wanted to mention um, is what I had intended for y'all to do um, was to actually take a recipe from a real cookbook and think about, right if you wish um, how you would make it in a world that you have in your head Anybody want to take a shot at that? Okay, we've got six onion soup, another six onion soup. We've got two kinds of salads, which could be interesting in your post-apocalyptic world. You've got, uh, I've got a quiche lorraine. Anybody interested in a quiche lorraine? Okay. How are we going to get that ham and cheese and eggs and pie crust and
3: quiche lorraine? All right. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. You can... Actually, what is that? Um, we've got,
1: uh,
2: oh, this is like three different kinds of fish. Mm-hmm. I'll
6: take
1: fish.
0: Mm-hmm. No, no, no. we now we're having some We've got trade routes.
6: Okay, so we'll give you
0: uh, this is chicken breast. Chicken breast, okay? So we've got Egyptian kebabs. I suppose it be like a kebab.
2: Um, so, we a so, uh, yeah. Yeah. You so, like that. But, yeah. 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 like Yeah. 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 Yeah and everybody of So there's also like like you couple yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Water you that We don't have that so
1: you New World
0: versus so, uh, World
5: I'm <laughs> <laughs> You I
0: a I'm not a I'm going to take a picture of you. I'm going to take of you. I'm going to take this So I there. There. Yeah,
6: that's a okay. one I could i can the
0: whole thing no. No.
6: The no. Could
3: you sit so around?
0: who needs this more than you do. Oh, <laughs> what you
1: Words, yeah. <laughs> Perfect.
2: <laughs> it would make sense. I don't have that cookbook. i lent it to a friend and she somehow
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That that Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs>
2: Everybody back? Hello. All right. So I'm going to give you an example uh, of how a recipe would have been changed in a story I wrote a long, long time ago. So what I began with was Martha Stewart's Manhattan cocktail. We all know what that is. Very yummy. So her recipe was two and a half ounces of bourbon or rye, a half ounce of sweet vermouth, two dashes of Angostura bitters, ice cubes. Maraschino cherry for garnish. So her recipe is to shake the bourbon vermouth, and bitters over ice straight into a cocktail glass, throw in the cherry, and drink it. So my recipe is called First Swallow for the Elders. After reciting the thirst prayer, take two thumbs of aged fire water from the hot box, pour it into a polished pollard horn, add a half thumb of mead and the juice of one bitter green leaf. Add three chipped toes from the clear cold shelf. Holding the horn with both hands makes ever smaller circles before you, counting from first to tenth. Serve with crimson inkberry for garnish. Drink only at yellow moonrise. So, that's, that's
0: awesome. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> So it, in the context of the story, it would make more sense. You would know that the chipped toes were this frozen matter, it wasn't ice, uh, that sort of thing. The hot box was actually a, a still. So those are the kind of things that you can impart to your world. Does anybody want to take a recipe and... Okay.
5: On a water world with very little land, very few trees, uh, uh, the first problem preheating your oven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't burn wood here. Burning wood is a luxury. You need those trees for their fruit and their stuff. So uh, radiant heat from reflected shells and so on. Um, Ounces of lean bacon, we got no pigs, Uh, but salted fish uh, could replace that with a good dense uh, meat pack. A quart of water, no problem. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Liberally salted, Uh, I assume. Yes,
5: exactly. (laughs) Um, The pastry shell becomes an issue. Uh, uh, So dried algae, Uh, we would uh, create yeast from the way you normally create yeast, but uh, sugar distilled from the fruits of the trees. Uh, uh, that are growing on these islands uh, create yeast, would then create flour from the dry algae, and we can build a pastry shell. Uh, eggs, birds in the trees, awesome. Another reason why to not cut down the trees. Um, milk, uh, sea mammals, uh, uh, harvesting milk from the sea mammals. Uh, half teaspoon of salt, no problem. <laughs> uh, butter would come from the milk from the sea mammals, and a pepper nutmeg would be a variation of some sort of everything.
2: Great. Good job.
3: Yes. Well, this is just one thing I noticed. Is I found a recipe here that calls for both buttermilk and lemon juice, not buttermilk. Sorry, milk and lemon juice. And my reaction was, well, they would either just use buttermilk or swap swap uh, lemon lemon juice for something else that's sour. Because if you're in an area where lemons grow, it's relatively warm, and the milk isn't going to be able um, to stay there well. long. And then they also, it also called for two egg yolks. And I just said, well, then this is either going to be served in, uh, with meringue, or it's going to be made with the entire egg. Because again, we don't have refrigeration to store the egg whites. Got it. Good, good. All right, so you've got your world.
2: Good job. Anybody else want to share? Uh, yes.
4: I'm actually coming in from a uh, slightly different direction because my my world is somewhat utopian communal kind of a mess. Nice. And so uh, I've got a sauteed chicken here. In my world, this would be prepared ten million chicken breasts in a <laughs> big old pan. 50 gallons of butter dumped
0: to a grid. Oh, we didn't and, cover uh, scale. That's right. How big scale, is the yeah. meal you're cooking? That's very uh, important. I was looking
5: at this going, like, how do you saute chicken breasts on like an <laughs> industrial scale? <laughs> you, you,
0: you need a huge griddle, basically.
4: Yeah, either a huge or a big sliders sliders or, griddle. -hmm. Rectangular uh, steel dishes and bake it instead of sautéing it. It could be
2: done. Yeah, or like think of the Rotary Club at the at the park and that like grill that goes on Mm -hmm. for a block. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that would work. That would work. You Mm -hmm. had. Thank you very much. Well done. Scale, good point. Thank you. Yes.
4: Uh, We kind of looked at preparing ingredients or substituting ingredients for what was available. You know, how about we had gingerbread cookies. So what are we looking at? We're looking at some sort of grain, sweetener, egg, um, restaurant, you know, we talked about, hey, maybe man is plentiful on our planet. You know, something of an obscure grain. Does it have the properties to be done with this? Uh, and then the other issue was a lot of um, cooking involved processes like a agent, which causes the foam to go from a dense pack, solid to of foam. Don't, even, don't think about styrofoam like that means angel food cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so you kind of substitutions. what you can do in you know, various grains and stuff. You can substitute up. Okay. So that was one of the things. So if you're, in, if you're doing a story in, say, see this lady in green, so I'm thinking Ireland. Um, <laughs> what could you do with potato flour? Mm-hmm. You know, could you take a different as, grade?
3: as someone who did a lot of cooking with during Passover, uh-huh. where it's uh, no grains, but we use we use a lot of potato. You flour.
0: can do a lot with Even potato
3: flour. A very, very, very good sponge
1: cake
4: yeah. if yeah. it's not too moist outside. with right. mm-hmm. potato right. flour. Well, things with, things with uh, certain like leavening agents or dairy restrictions. Mm-hmm. One of the substitutions for liquids is you could use fruit juice,
1: tomato
4: mm-hmm. juice, sweet fruit. Or you could use a broth. Can you imagine a cookie that was seasoned with
1: chicken broth. Ooh, that sounds
2: like an interesting mix. That's yeah. awesome. you may see it in my column next week. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody else over here wanted to?
0: Yes. Uh, mine's going to be very brief because, as, as I said, the uh, these are all ways of using cooked fish, and the people I was thinking of for this are uh, saurians. They're 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 uh, basically reptiles, and culturally. They don't eat cooked meat, Ooh, yeah. or their relatives. Oh no, 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 no! That's that 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 that's only in very very special circumstances that would apply to like day to day food. Okay. Um, but one of one of the uh, interesting challenges for this was how do you take a, a culture that, in its most primitive form, eats nothing but raw meat, and and develop that into a sophisticated culture that has a sophisticated palate. Uh, palate. And so, like, they've got to still eat meat. They don't like it cooked, and fish. They don't like it cooked, but adding all sorts of seasonings and flavorings and different kinds of presentation to it. So the, the only one of these I found remotely workable was, was the scalloped cod one, where instead of using uh, cold-flaked cooked cod, you layer th- very thin slices of raw cod. The rest of it works. Sprinkle with salt and pepper, cover with a layer of oysters, first dipped in melted butter, seasoned with onion juice, lemon juice, and a few grains of cayenne. I don't know if they can get cayenne, but onion and lemon they could get. Uh, Add three tablespoons oyster liquor, repeat, and then you just skip the part where
2: you bake it. Perfect. Perfect. That's a very elegant no, dish of sushi. Yes, none of the recipes worked at all. <laughs> but that
6: one I think <laughs> okay. so one sex Yeah. two um, things. One is that they're just carnivorous. Mm-hmm. Well, what the prey eat is gonna
0: increase mm-hmm. the taste yeah. of meat. I never so thought of that. Better oh better gosh, yes. It.
6: So if you've mm-hmm. got your pigs eating apples, they're gonna taste different than if they're eating acorns. Um, the other thing is for cooking. I've got the same problem, I've got this, this race of seals, it's out of the ocean
3: they have difficulty cooking but when they've got fish, they can use acid for making things like ceviche mm-hmm. the other so thing is which parts of the body are they going to eat like, I, I, was, I remember reading one book where they had a carnivorous race that would eat they eat the a lot of the body of their prey but they, they in particular like the intestines
0: Intestines are tasty. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and so, you know, are, are well, you have in yeah. the intestines, uh, the breast, the, the leg, which part are they going to want? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. And you wanted to share your um, so thoughts. So we were
1: doing the gingerbread cookie as well, so mine is going to be weird because all I could think about at the time was how to... They get soul
5: food. Oh.
1: So, yes, <laughs> yes, Zero. Zero. So, <laughs> so they, the demons have to steal a gingerbread cookie from a city or town, animate it, kill it, and eat its soul. I want to see that.
2: <laughs> That's why they're chasing the gingerbread man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, well, we've we got
2: go. <laughs> we've got about five minutes before the next group is one, is going to try to come in. Yes, my dear, in the back.
1: Actually, I was just kind of going to comment on the soul food thing. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, maybe his uh, your demons might find different flavors of souls depending on what their life is. Actually, or... I just ah, that very I about that. So all the souls are in bulk, but like say it's a cow soul. You eat it, and it tastes like beef. hmm mm-hmm. So gingerbread, so
2: it's a and it tastes sugary and sweet. Nice. Okay. Very That's nice. That's delightful.
1: All right. I'm going to
2: just um, wrap up this. Did everybody get a red ticket? Anybody interested? What in- are the red tickets for? Uh, cookbook.
1: No extra charge. Just a. I'm a pass. Oh, you're pass. you get a cookbook for free. If you get one? If you get yeah. uh,
0: I almost never use cookbooks anymore. All my recipes are off the internet. Well, she has an opinion about that.
5: She'll, she'll go off and
0: find grandma's favorite whatever
2: that mm-hmm. has exactly right. the same
0: misspellings
5: as three other versions from some other place. All
2: yep. right. Yep. Yep. I think you all were terrific uh, group to to talk to. You had really interesting questions. Some wonderful, wonderful world building and I think your colleagues gave you some great ideas uh, to go forward with. Keep this ticket to you. Is that for you, him? Yeah. Okay. Oh, do you have one? Oh, okay. You want to win. Okay. Okay, you're going to pick it out. So what I have here What I have here is um, a a taste of Haiti, and this is cool for two reasons. Um, it's full of gorgeous drawings, but the names of some of the things that are actually familiar to us, they call with a different name. So it's a little bit of a oh, how am I going to? No, no, hang on
1: to that sweetheart. Okay. Um,
2: so this is our cookbook, and Jack, if you would pull one out. Yes, yeah, she can't pull it out because if she wins, then she'll feel like she. will
4: pull. I have no, no Oh, yeah, he did. No oh, game Dad, game. Dad,
2: he, he held to it. He did. I, I have no had No more
6: no, no,
4: no, no. No. No no skin in the game No skin in the game So, uh, 717 155.
0: 7, 1, 5. That would a... <laughs> have been you. Is that one of the people that left? 1, 5, no,
2: that would 1, have 1, been you. Because you're 156, I'm 154, and then you gave a one.
6: I already lost it. Oh, now he's trying
2: to bribe the judge. He's got he's got coins coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. No, this one, i got 156, I think. I have 158. Right. So yep. Six. I think you're right. The logic prevails. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Enjoy the rest of the time. I almost didn't make the this. I'm so glad I came. This is oh, delightful. Oh, good. I'm doing the food of Star Trek tomorrow at 11. Mm. I- Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us
0: on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it and always link back to the website
2: sound effects are by the free sound project
0: and our theme is by drew rich creek
1: send us stuff